You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. This episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy post-game podcast and happy Victory post-game podcast. The Timberwolves beat the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday at Target Center by final score 107-97 in a game. They trailed at halftime, a miserable first half of basketball for both teams. And then they pulled away after really a solid second half. Uh, Both teams played much better in the second half, but especially the Wolves. And uh, we're going to talk all about it on the game today. We're going to talk key takeaways as well as individual studs and duds. It's all upcoming. Thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, as well as, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, the all-new Odyssey app, and anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, so the first half of this one was, uh, it was rough. Um, one of the worst collective halves of basketball we've seen this year. And we've seen some bad ones. I mean, Wolves Pelicans, that one of those was rough. Wolves Magic was rough. Uh, there was a Wolves Clippers game that was, there was a pretty bad half in there for both teams. But this was, this was brutal. Um, the, uh, I think I tweeted out at halftime, Sacramento had like 10 or 12 turnovers and was shooting like 27% from the field and the Wolves were losing by four at halftime. Um, not, not great for either team. Uh, the the biggest issue for the Timberwolves was again missing open shots, but primarily on the glass, allowing offensive rebounds. We're going to talk more about that on the show today. But second chance points for the Kings. The Kings were just turning the ball over left and right. They were double digit turnovers at halftime. They finished the game with I believe it was twenty turnovers for the game. Uh, yeah, twenty total team turnovers uh, for the Kings, and uh, that was their biggest issue. Neither team really shot the ball well in the first half. The Timberwolves were a little bit better inside the paint. Um, but again, turnovers for the Kings, allowing offensive rebounds on the Timberwolves side. And this was at halftime, it was 48 to 44. And honestly, I don't know how this game got out of the thirties for either team. Uh, in fact, Patrick Beverly was the only Timberwolves player in double figures at halftime. I mean, you look at the final box score, you, if you didn't watch the game, you'd have no idea that Edwards Towns and Russell all really struggled in the first half for the Wolves. Pat Bev was the only one in double figures. And I think he only had one basket in the second half. So uh weird first half of basketball third quarter though. Things started to really come together for the Timberwolves. After a, a pretty rough first half for Carl Anthony Towns, the Wolves ran a series of of things to get him open. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But basically, um, it was a series of screens from Jared Vanderbilt. I think there was a pin down and a flare screen on, on consecutive possessions. Once Towns popped out and made an open three, the next time he, he ended up uh, using the screen to make a, uh, I guess he got the ball and then had a dribble drive to the basket, tough layup. Um, and then the f- next time down, he got the ball in the right right box, which he typically, or excuse me, the left box, which he typically, um, I mean, he hadn't been getting very many post-ups in this game, at least not with much success. And and by the way, the Kings did what a lot of teams, I think the Clippers were really the first one to do it super successfully earlier this season. And then of course they did it again this weekend. Wolves have already played the Clippers three times, but the, um, the Kings put Chemezi Metu on Carl Anthony Towns. He's there four. 
And instead of putting Rashawn Holmes on Towns, and it worked for the most part in the first half. But for that stretch of the third, Towns dominated Metu. He drew a foul. Um, and I think he got called for one offensive foul that was a little bit questionable. Uh, but then he got the ball in the post and immediately did a quick turn uh, baseline and scored a quick bucket. So there was seven quick points consecutively by Towns early in the third, forced a timeout by the Kings. And then after that, they adjusted a little bit. Towns was still effective down the stretch. He scored on a couple of nice back cuts. He, he had, uh, I think, two dunks in the fourth quarter off of back cuts, um, or I guess one was a back cut. One was just a straight cut from the perimeter when the Kings were trying to play the foul game, but not doing a very good job of it down the, like really down the stretch late in the game. But For the most part, I mean, Finch, for that first part of the third quarter, he decided to get a little bit creative, which is what I've been calling for him to do now for for weeks is, hey, instead of just these these, you know, left box post ups, mid post uh, touches for towns, get the ball to him on the perimeter. Use some creative cross-screen action to get him open. Run more horn sets, which they did a little bit of again in the fourth quarter. Again, that's kind of become their go-to middle of the fourth quarter of the last few games. And get get him the ball in some creative spots on the floor. Let him be dynamic with the ball in his hands. And that was a lot of that was third quarter. Um, the fourth quarter ended up, I mean, going into the fourth, the Wolves won the third quarter by nine points. They're up five going to the fourth. And the fourth quarter was all about... Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Uh, D'Lo, I guess, was really more late third quarter, and then Ant took over in the fourth. And the Wolves did, and again, we'll talk more about this here in a minute, but the Wolves devolved a little bit into the isolation, basically uh, uh, alternating isolation possessions between D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. There was a little bit too much of that. Towns, again, uh, ended up not touching the ball as much as you'd like. I mean, he, again, was tied for third on the team in field goal attempts, which is not what you want. Um, But... Edwards got hot at the right time. D'Lo got hot at an opportune time and the Kings just couldn't get out of their own way offensively and just could not stop turning the ball over. If this is, frankly, if this is most teams besides the Sacramento Kings, the Timberwolves don't win this game or they barely scrape by and they don't win by 10. Um, you know, they kind of pulled away in the final three minutes of this game. So it was still sloppy on the Timberwolves part and the offense is still very clunky. I don't think there's any denying that, uh, that this was not, um, I mean, Three-point shooting, the Wolves still shot 27.8% from three, but they were so good inside the arc that they shot 50% from the field overall, exactly 50%. In fact, they were a little over 67. I think it was 67.4% on two-point field goals, which is refreshing to see for the Timberwolves. A lot of that was Towns doing damage in the paint. Ant was very good at the rim. Nas Reed had a great stint in the first half. He obviously uh, was still sore. He missed Monday's game with the foot issue, and he aggravated that in the first half. Jade McDaniels was decent in this game, but really scoring around the room was just really impressive for Minnesota. And again, shooting the ball terribly from outside the arc. They're going to continue to be the league's worst three-point shooting team after this one. Um, That was an issue, but in the paint, good enough, uh, forced enough turnovers and, and allowed the Kings to make enough mistakes that they were able to kind of pull away down the stretch in this one. Next, what I want to do, so I want to isolate three key takeaways, uh, th- three to four key takeaways from this one. What can we take from this game? Apply moving forward. The Wolves are back at it again in 24 hours against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, so we're going to break all that down next segment. First, though, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. We're back and we're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football to basketball, NHL to boxing and UFC, including your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet 
all your favorite sports. Again, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's talk key takeaways. So I talked a lot about the offense already. Um, I want to focus a little bit more in on some of the stuff the Wolves did to get Cat open and why the Wolves were more successful in the paint. So the Kings tried to do the same thing with Cat by putting a smaller player on him, in this case, Metu. And it worked for the most part early in the game. Towns tried to get a little bit too, actually early in the third quarter, the, the first part of the third quarter is when Cat did really well. The Wolves ran these different screen actions uh, off the ball with Vando to get Cat open. First, I think the pin down got him a three-pointer, a middle pin down. And then they, they uh, I think it was a flare screen, got him the ball on the wing. Towns drove the seam on the wing and ended up getting a, a tough layup in the paint. Um, and then as the third quarter went on, the Kings began more aggressively trapping Towns when he got the ball on the catch. And the Wolves tried to get him in the post. He had, I think, three turnovers on those crazy like scoop passes that he flings cross court. Uh, I believe one went out of bounds. A couple were intercepted. It was just really bad. Uh, and then thankfully, D'Lo kind of took over the offense there. After having a, a relatively inefficient first half, D'Lo did. He had a, a really good third quarter. And... This was another case of the Wolves decided to be creative with Cat. Then they went away from it. The other team adjusted. The Wolves didn't adjust back. And they got bailed out by D'Angelo Russell having a strong three or four minute stretch, which he's capable of doing, certainly. Um, and, and frankly, outside of that stretch and maybe a little bit in the fourth, Dela was not overall that great in this game. Um, and then Anthony Edwards came out in the fourth. But again, the, the consistency of the Timberwolves' creativity is very lacking, Um and again, I, you know, I keep saying, well, it's early, you know, maybe they're working through this. We're, we're 14 games into the season. Now we're nearly 20% of the way through. Um, and this team should have installed a little bit more offensively. They should be being a little bit more creative. And instead this happened more in the fourth. We got more of the Anthony Edwards waving off whatever they were going to do, calling for the screen or calling for an isolation and going to work. And when it works great, but it hasn't worked enough for that to be the Timberwolves offense. When you are a bottom five offense in the league, you can't rely simply on isolation uh, opportunities, even from a player as dynamic as Anthony Edwards, until he understands how to consistently attack and understand how to attack and distribute if he's getting cut off at the rim um, or just if he just wants to get downhill and do the James Harden thing. And I mean, he can be that effective if he commits to it. Part of it is he's still not getting as many foul calls as, as true stars do. I get that. Um, and then part of it is he just likes to shoot step back threes and he's a 33% three point shooter. Um, he was, I think, Oh, for his first five from deep in this game. Then he hit three big ones down the stretch and ended up being four for 10, which is fine. I mean, the wolves will take four. If he shoots four from 10, four for 10, every game, that would be fantastic. But, uh, it was, it didn't look like that for his first, I, I'm pretty sure he made four of his last five and missed his first five of this game. Um, it's not ideal offense having Anthony Edwards lull the defender to sleep and then either either shoot a step back three or, you know, crash into the paint and, and never really consider passing the ball. Um, the offense devolved into that after the Kings took away what the Wolves wanted to do initially with Towns. Um, then it became Anthony Edwards show and it worked this time. It's not going to work every time. And that's my concern. Um, I think the best way of putting this, by the way, is the Wolves right now are, are kind of a, a my turn, your turn offense, right? Um D'Lo gets the ball. So the first half, I mean, there were D'Lo shot like five contested mid-range jumpers, which again, when D'Lo's on, it's a good shot because he's one of the better mid-range jump shooters in this game. 
but he wasn't on early in this game. He just kept firing up these these really questionable mid-range jumpers. And it, it felt like a my turn, your turn situation. D'Lo takes a shot and then he says, okay, Ant, now you go isolation and you take a really difficult step back three. And then it's Cat and Cat's like, well, I haven't touched the ball in a while. I got to fire it up as soon as I get it. I got to crash into the paint and crash to the floor and almost hurt myself. And then, you know, you know, the Kings are going five on four the other way because I'm still laying under the basket. That's That's one of the kind of... I don't know. I don't really know how else to quantify it other than it feels like a my turn, your turn offense with those three guys. And you can tell that everybody else kind of shuts down. And then we wonder why Malik Beasley can't get on track. We wonder why Jaden McDaniels, there's lots of reasons why Jaden McDaniels hasn't really gotten on track. But I mean, when Patrick Beverly is your fourth best offensive player, that's not by design. That's not what is supposed to happen. He's supposed to be your your fourth or fifth option who's going to stand there and, you know, shoot, knock down wide open threes. But he's actually been the fourth best offensive player on the roster this year. And that's not, you can't draw it up that way. Pat Bev's going to miss some games. He does every year. He's also theoretically your backup point guard. You can't have him be your fourth most reliable offensive player. We'll talk more about Beasley in just a little bit. I will say, and this is this is my next takeaway, is that the Timberwolves ancillary pieces actually played fairly well in this game overall. And that's not going to get the attention because the big three were the top three scorers. They all had good second halves for the most part, and they came on, they led the Wolves to the win. And, you know, that's how I would lead this. That's how I did my one minute hit after the game for lockdown now uh, for for lockdown. Yeah, for lockdown now um, is the big three all, all scored when they needed to. But if you watch this game, Torian Prince had a really good stint uh, overall, but especially in the first half, Jade McDaniels was a little better in this game. Nas Reed was really good in the first half. Jared Vanderbilt was solid throughout, and they're not scoring, um, but nobody's really expecting them to. I mean, Torian Prince, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed combined scored 17 points. Uh, they shot the ball total combined, what, uh, nine times, those three guys. Um, but that's not their role. They did solid in their role. Torian Prince hit an open three. Actually, it wasn't. It was pretty a pretty contested three. He actually drove to the basket and, and scored in this game. He was solid defensively. Jared Vanderbilt was very active. He got one field goal attempt in this entire game. We saw a couple instances of his hands not being very good in this one. Uh, but he did only turn it over once, and he was active. He he played his role to a tee. So that's really important. Now what the Wolves need is they need Malik Beasley specifically to a lesser extent, Jade McDaniels, uh, really Jade, Jade McDaniels. And I guess, uh, you know, Anthony, Ed, or excuse me, not Anthony Edwards, um, Patrick Beverly to continue doing what he's doing. Although he went over five from three in this one. And I think he struggled last time out two from three, but they need those, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth guys in terms of scoring to step up because that's when, when the Timberwolves are struggling so much from three, they're going to rely on the Torian Prince's, and the Jade McDaniels to knock down their open threes. And they combined to shoot two or four from outside the arc in this one. The volume's just not there because all the shots are being soaked up by Edwards, Towns, and Russell, and really just Edwards and Russell for the most part. Um, so those ancillary players generally played well in this one. And that's part of the reason the Wolves ended up winning this one by 10 is because they gave you solid minutes in the first half when the big three couldn't score. Ant, Cat, D'Lo, none of those guys were in double figures at halftime. It was because you had the Torian Prince three, a Jaden McDaniels three, a couple of nice buckets by Nas, a three from Nas Reed. Um, those things were happening along with Patrick Beverly leading the team in scoring in the first 24 minutes in this one. And that allowed the Wolves to stay within four points at halftime and ultimately uh, beat this thing to be in play in the second half for the big three to actually step up and score and, and help the Wolves to the double digit win. Um, the last thing is... Uh, 
is I'm related to that. Actually, I'm curious to see how Chris Finch adapts with this lineup, with this rotation moving forward. Um, Nasri didn't play in Monday. He, he sat out with the foot issue. Josh Kogi didn't play in this one with back spasms. He was questionable coming into the game and Jordan McLaughlin hadn't played in a couple games. Torian Prince hadn't played in a couple games. We saw both of them get run. Uh, J Mac only played three minutes at the end of the third quarter, but Torian Prince saw 15 minutes in this one. Um, Nas appeared to kind of hurt his foot again. I, I just think and Malik Beasley only played 18 minutes. Um, at some point, if Malik Beasley is going to have a complete lack of confidence, Jalen Noel's got to get a look. I'm not I'm not going to stand on a soapbox and say it's Leandro Balmaro time. It's not. Uh, but it could be Jalen Noel time. If Malik Beasley's turning down open shots, if he's shooting one of five from three and then gets the opportunity to shoot another one and just won't pull the trigger. That happened in the third quarter in this one. Uh, then what's he doing out there? And I've been an advocate a week ago. I was arguing for Malik Beasley to be a starter. I still think that before the Wolves turn to Jalen Noel and say, let's bench Malik Beasley you got to try him in the starting lineup at some point. Um, I really think that could get him kickstarted and maybe eventually he moves back to the bench. Sure. Um, but I think he's got to play with Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and they have to generate easy open shots for him. I know he's still played with them off the bench and we'll early next week after a couple more games, I want to dive back into some of the lineup data and look at Beasley's minutes with some of those starters, because the last time we did that a little over a week ago, he was much, much better playing with Cat. Um, you know, playing with those starting caliber players because his offense is generated through other players. He's a really good catch and shoot guy. He scores in transition and it's all based on what other players are doing. And if he's playing primarily with bench players and is being asked to generate his own offense or be a complete, you know, be leaned on a little bit too much, then that's not going to reflect well in his game overall. So the rotation moving forward, will Jalen Noel get a chance? Will Beasley ever get a chance to start? Those are all interesting things to track uh, here as as we move ahead. All right, I want to close by looking at individual studs and duds from the game. First, though, before we get to that, let's talk about the title sponsor of today's show. That is, of course, McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Uh, McDonald's is a staple for my family, working late, pick up McDouble and fries uh, on the road trip. It might be sausage egg McMuffins in the morning, whatever that might be. It, it's, it's, uh, you know exactly where all the 24-hour McDonald's are in the neighborhood, that's for sure. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked on Wolves watch party? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. All right. Let's go ahead and talk studs and duds, individual studs and duds from this one. So we have to start with we have to start with Anthony Edwards. Um, he was pretty quiet in the first half, and the third quarter he had some pretty bad. And actually, even early in the fourth, there were some pretty bad isolation possessions from Ant, um, where he just kind of. I, I talked about this already, so I don't want to spend too much time on it here. But he called his own number, and it wasn't all that pretty. However, he hit a couple of huge threes. Um, in the second half, he had a couple of nice drives to the basket, finished with 26 points on 11 of 24 shooting 26 on 24 shots. Isn't ultra efficient. Obviously he was four of 10 from outside the arc. Somehow he didn't attempt a free throw. There were a couple of plays that he definitely was fouled on and there wasn't a call, but that's something he's got to continue to work on. 
Ant had 26 points, five rebounds, one assist, and a block in this game. Only turned it over once. Uh, the no free throws isn't great, and the under, uh, I guess, what's what, like roughly 40% shooting is is not ideal, but it's okay. Um, and so generally speaking, I thought he was the best player on the floor for the Wolves in this one. It was another solid game from Carl Anthony Towns. He also gets a stud. 22 points, 9 of 12 shooting. Another super efficient shooting night. Only one of four outside the arc. He just didn't get that many touches out there. Missed his first three and then hit that uh, hit that one early in the third quarter. Three of three at the line. Only six rebounds, four assists, two blocks. And he also turned it over six times again in this one. Um, there was an offensive foul. There was a travel. He threw the ball out of bounds. Um, just, just a little bit too much trying to be Nikola Jokic, I think. Maybe sometimes with the weird underhanded like softball fast pitches to the opposite corner. He's got to cut back on those. Uh, he went through that phase last year, too. Um, and rebounding, I understand that the Wolves are putting a lot on him because when Jared Vanderbilt's not on the court, it's either Cat or nobody that's going to get the rebound, quite frankly. I mean, total, the Wolves bench, this is insane, by the way. The Wolves bench combined for seven rebounds in this game. The Wolves played six guys, or five if you want to throw out Nathan Knight, who just played garbage time. They combined for six rebounds. Four players, or five players, combined for six rebounds off the bench. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt led the team with seven rebounds in just 25 minutes. So it's not entirely Towns' fault that he's only getting six boards in 37 minutes, but he's still got to step up and do better. If he's going to lead this team, if he's going to be the big man, the only true center on this team, he's not, I mean, yeah, the only true center on this team, he's got to do better than six boards in 37 minutes. Still, uh, very good game. 22 points on 12 shots. Take that any night of the week, six rebounds, four assists, and a team leading plus 22, by the way. Um, so he also gets a stud. The third one for me, if Nas Reed had come back and played, the first half was stud worthy for Nas Reed, but uh, he didn't do as much in the second half simply because it, it looked like he got a little bit banged up. Um, I'm going to give it to Patrick Beverly. I know he only had one basket in the second half. There were a couple of iffy turnovers from him as well. Uh, and actually some surprising defensive lapses as well, if I'm being honest. It's, and he also shot 0-5 from three. So, I mean, I guess I'm giving reasons why he shouldn't be, but Pat Bev kept this team in the game offensively in the first half, which again, at, simultaneously says, great game by Patrick Beverly, terrible first half by the Timberwolves offense, and the Wolves are clearly relying way too much on Patrick Beverly. But 14 points, seven assists, six rebounds, three blocks and a steal for Patrick Beverly in 34 minutes. Five of 12 shooting, 0 of 5 outside the arc. That means he was 5 of 7 inside the arc. He also made all, all four of his four free throw attempts. Patrick Beverly, the Wolves, I, I, I said this the other day, and I mean it, the Wolves are overextending him, and I'm worried about his durability moving forward. He already missed the one game with the, uh, I think it was a calf issue last a couple weeks ago. But um, Patrick Beverly has a history of injuries. He's getting a little bit older, uh, on the wrong side of 30, Starting him and playing in 34 minutes is not probably going to last all season. And I know the Wolves feel like they're in a good spot with Jordan McLaughlin as a backup. But right now, he's your fourth best player on on both ends of the floor. Uh, well, he's better. He's probably their best defender still or second best defender, probably the best defender. And their fourth best offensive player, their fourth option on offense. Chris Finch has to be careful with wearing down Patrick Beverly too early in the season with a back-to-back tomorrow as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if they scaled his minutes back just a bit on Thursday against the Spurs. Duds for this game, Malik Beasley leads the way in the dud category. Four points in 18 minutes on one of five shooting. All of his shots were three-pointers. One of two at the line, only two rebounds in 18 minutes, one steal, no assists. Four points on five shots, two rebounds, no assists in 18 minutes for Malik Beasley. Uh, 
I don't know what else to say that hasn't already been said, but um, I mean, they've got to figure this thing out with Malik Beasley. We're, we're now 15 games in or 14 games in and Malik Beasley has got to be a big part of this team if they're going to go to the playoffs. Um, so whether that's trying him in the starting lineup, taking him out of the lineup for uh, taking him out of the rotation entirely and see what happens, maybe plug Jalen Noel into a six man type role. Uh, but it's just, it can't happen this way. He's the only one, really. Everybody else on the team, for the most part, played well. D'Lo had a rough first half, came on strong in the second half, 17.7 assists, only two turnovers, uh, 6 of 15 from the field. He struggled from three again. He was 1 of 10 on Monday, 1 of 6 tonight, so 2 of 16 in his last two games from deep for D'Angelo Russell, which means two things. One, he's trying to shoot himself out of the slump, and two, he's going to eventually, and whether that's Thursday or uh, or Saturday, whenever it is, he's going to go bonkers and make a bunch of threes, uh, and uh Thankfully, the Wolves were able to pull this one out with another inefficient D'Angelo Russell performance. Um, and again, as a team, I mean, they got to the line 18 times. They shot 50% from the field. It's just that three-point shooting that remains one of the league's you know worst marks. I think I said earlier they're last in three-point percentage. That's not true. They're like 26th or 25th, I think. They'll probably be a little lower than that after this game. Um, they're last in rebounding, which, by the way, will remain true because they were a minus 12 on the glass, minus 10 on offensive on the offensive glass in this one. But the three-point shooting continues to plummet for the Wolves, and that's it's got to correct itself at some point just simply because there's too many good shooters on this team for it to be as bad as it has been. But uh, that's that's certainly notable. All right, Wolves-Spurs on Thursday night. We turn around, we do it again tomorrow. Not really going to preview that matchup uh, since it's the post-game pod, but just know that this is another winnable game for the Wolves. They really should win. The Spurs are 4-10, and um, and uh, a game obviously at Target Center. They've lost three in a row, and they've lost most recently at the Clippers and Lakers, just like the Wolves did. They lost to the Mavs. This is a Spurs team that beat the Kings by 19 just a few days ago. But they've also lost to the Thunder and the Pacers this year. Besides that, though, they've had a pretty difficult schedule. Um, They've lost to a lot of good teams. Um, The Lakers a couple of times, the Nuggets, uh, the Mavericks twice, actually three times to the Mavericks. So it hasn't been an easy schedule for the Spurs, and they're certainly dangerous. And again, with the Wolves on a back-to-back, the Spurs are not. The Spurs did not play on Wednesday. So this is certainly not a slam dunk for the Wolves, but it is a game the Wolves will be favored in, and it's a game that they should win. The Spurs have some exciting young players as well. Um, so it should be a fun game. Uh, but uh, hopefully the Wolves can pull. They're now 5-9. and nine. Hopefully they can pull up to a 6-9 and nine record following Thursday against San Antonio. All right, that's all we have for you today. We'll, of course, have a post-game pod again tomorrow following Wolves Spurs. Be sure that if you're not already following or subscribed to the show that you do that. Wherever you listen to podcasts, thank you for making Lock then Wolves, your first listen every day. A reminder, we're also on YouTube as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. A reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.